Hey, Minus 3 is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. You get great odds and markets for the NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, and oh so much more. Great new and existing user promos. These are the reasons why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You get your winnings delivered in as quick as two hours and, of course, every day on the sports calendar. The same game parlay. Just go to FanDuel, and you'll discover the most popular same-game parlays right when you log in. If you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started. Just make sure you do your pals here at Minus 3 a solid and sign up with the promo code MINUS3, the word MINUS, the number 3, so they know we sent you. Let's light this candle, Spaghetti. Minus 3. With Dave Damashek. Yes, hi and hello, sports fans. Welcome to Minus Three. We're ready to roll here. The playoffs are underway in two sports, as you well know by now baseball and beyond. College football head coaches, one of them named Jimbo John, back and forth about maturity in the press, so on and so forth. Let's talk about all of it. Guy sitting in the hot seat right now. His Celtics are playing the Heat, the literal hot seat, and figuratively. It's our old pal, Kevin Hench. What's the poop, fella? How are you? Oh, I'm good, man. I uh, enjoyed the hell out of that late hockey game last night. And, and oh, my what, God, what happened? I mean, huh? 1983. What's wild. Uh, occasionally you, you see this, you know, like it's hard to look fast in a sport when everyone's fast. I mean, you're a perfect. But what McDavid is like, it's not possible to be that much faster than everybody uh, and still get your ass kicked. But um, uh, just delightful, delightful wide open hockey. Uh, and, and again, he's that, that you know, th- their entry play on the power play is just have that guy go 200 feet at a thousand miles an hour. It's so fun to watch. Um, very nervous tonight, obviously. Uh, not a must win for the Celtics, but it, I'd, I'd be, it'd be nice if uh, COVID didn't cost them a title. In these in these fucking crazy days that we're enduring, At the time of this recording, no Derek White. It's got to spook. It's got to intimidate Miami just a little bit. That on game day, the Celts just like, yeah, we're gonna try this uh, this one without uh, this uh, rotation guy. Well, it's funny. But what's weird is like, I mean, we talked we talked about it leading into the NFL playoffs, and I just I announced, um, watch what happens in the NFL playoffs. No, nobody's gonna miss games because of COVID. Magically, nobody's going to miss a playoff game. Matt Stafford's not going to get plucked out of the Super Bowl. Like, it's just not going to happen. And sure enough, right, zero, magically, zero COVID cases throughout the NFL playoffs because the NFL is like, fuck that. And now we're we're in the NBA playoffs. And uh, these are these are kind of important games for the business of the National Basketball Association. Hey, yeah, you know what? You can't play. I mean, imagine if they told Michael Jordan before the flu game, hey, man, you, we can't risk you, – you you could get uh, – Carl Malone could get the flu from you. This is too big a risk. Like, I mean, I don't understand. If everyone's vaccinated, then, you know, you're just going to – Interesting, yeah. You're going to get a little sick. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, the NBA steps in um, for Carl Malone and John Stockton's protection. Um, all right. We're going to keep it nice and tight to, today. That may be good news. That may be bad news, uh, depending on your listening habits. Uh, minus three years. We appreciate all the feedback. We had a really good episode with Jeff Schwartz earlier in the week, all things NIL. And lo and behold, it's really blown up. I'm sure you've heard about it if you're a sports fan, that Saban in Bama and Jimbo in A&M are John back and forth about that they bought all their players at A&M. My overarching point that I've made before and I make again now is, A&M and Texas have the deepest pockets in all of college football, and that includes Alabama and USC and Ohio State and Michigan and anywhere else. And Texas, they play football. They make TV shows and movies about high school football there. Why are they so irrelevant all the time? One or both of these teams should be in the Final Four alongside Alabama and Ohio State perennially. It's bizarre. I don't understand why the people in Texas aren't rioting about this. It's really weird stuff. But uh, your thoughts on the NIL, Hench? Well, you know, uh, uh, Spaghetti and I were chatting for a few minutes while while you were you know missing our call time. Um, well, I was trying to watch this thing. I want to hear what Jimbo had to say, and it was quite all right, funny. All as right. a matter well, of Spaghetti fact. was prepared. Um, Robot. So, so you know, 
going back a, a few weeks to to Dabo's ridiculous statements about you know hey it's a free market oh when the player when the labor is when the labor doesn't get paid and you get paid tens of millions of dollars that's what you think a free market is Dabo and I mean Dabo and Saban have been so exposed throughout this right hey we like the fix being in for us we like it being fixed for us that's right and then and then you know of course for for you know as long as long as college sports have existed it's been how do we get a brown paper bag filled with money to this player so that he you know how do we hire this player's father to coach at our university how do we what's the way how do we get this guy into a range rover for, you know freshman year like that's been <clears throat> that's been the way it's been done and you know, you and I obviously think that the people doing all the work should maybe get compensated. So so we're kind of like in favor of cheating. Can you get some fun? Well, everybody does yeah. think that. They just are worried it's going to disrupt what they like on Saturdays in the fall. People understand morally. Of course, these guys should get paid. But it, when Dabo, what Saban and Dabo have is like, everybody's going to ruin the game. Then people are like, uh-oh, uh-oh. No, it's going to ruin your particular grift. Right. You're going to have to actually compete in a free market, which, by the way, you know, is newsflash. Nobody who has all the advantages wants to compete in a free market. All all those free market conservatives out there immediately start begging the government to make sure they don't have to compete with an immigrant. Like, yeah, we get it. Nobody wants nobody wants to compete when the rules are in your favor. So Nick Saban and Dabo had gamed the system, uh, you know, especially when you get to that point where your program recruits for itself. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm obviously my favorite team every Saturday is whoever's playing against Alabama, even if it's Dabo. And so I'm, I'm completely delighted. I'm all, I'm all in on Jimbo and, uh, and I, and I hope it, I'd love for it to get even worse. I'd love, you know, Jimbo's threatening to, uh, to spill the beans uh, on all the stuff he knows about how Alabama gets its players. Oh, so by the way, like, the tension, hey, as we've talked about, the tension between, like, why isn't Deshaun Watson, why aren't we hearing more about this? Why is it, what, what's going on with Dan Snyder? It's because they're, they're <laughs> because they hold the, the Pandora's box behind their back. You want to open it? Gruden, same thing. This is this is the tension that exists there. But Jimbo said that uh, Saban called him. I didn't take the call. We're done. Greatest ever. When you have all the advantages, it's easy. I don't know who to like here. Well, it's, it's, well not, back not I like tension as long as I'm not in. Not, not Nick Saban, uh, obviously. But, great. you know, when he says greatest ever, put that in context. Greatest ever minor league coach when the fix is in and you have all the best players because remember what Nick Saban did when the play, all the players got paid. Remember when, you know, when in the NFL, they pay the players, Nick Saban wasn't such a great coach. So uh, (laughs) yes, Nick Saban. Well, I, I think the best example is, and this is where I get raw about the inconsistency of justice or our perception of good versus bad and all that. John Wooden. Everybody, I mean, you know, in his living years, you know, he's he's gone now and, uh, you know, uh, a legend deservedly in Westwood in uh, in the greater Los Angeles area. But it's no secret that I can't remember the guy's name, but the deep pocketed booster who just paid all those guys at US, UCLA. It's weird to me that he's gotten a pass on that. People are aware of it, but it's like, ah, well, but other guys don't. It, it's, it is funny, but most of these um, you know, the power over the course of decades and a century, even most of these powerhouse college football programs are owed to boosters who are willing to throw around the loot, which is ultimately, I think, the optimism that the second tier, third tier program should have. All you need is one big time booster, <laughs> right? Like, you know, th- this thing, like, how are we supposed to compete? Like, I don't know. Is that, do, you, do you have an alumnus who's worth $50 million and is willing to throw one million of that to get the best running back in the country, whatever. I think that actually this thing of like, it's only going to deepen the problem. I think there's a chance it could go the other way. Anyway, I want to talk about this. I, and we, we have to get your Celts thoughts um, and beyond. 
But uh, you, you raised a great question, too, and I also want to get to uh, the Joker going out uh, in the NBA playoffs in the first round and whether or not he deserves to be MVP. This stands as potentially one of the worst MVPs in the four major sports that we've seen. Um, I don't want to get hyperbolic, though. Joker did have a nice year. They're worst candidates for worst MVPs we've ever seen. But, you know, soothe my soul here because you and me sit in an interesting spot. You watch Tom Brady leave New England in the twilight of his career. And I, I know you heard what happened after he left. But in the moment, it felt like we took this as far as we could take it. Rick Pitino, 20, 25 years ago, sat at the podium and gave that speech about McHale and Bird and the Chief aren't walking through that door, basically saying, you, you, you got to cut it off early. You got you to gotta say goodbye. It's a business. You got to say goodbye to your elder legends if you want to stay in contention. I am now, so, so that's your point of view. I now watched Roethlisberger with everybody crying for oh, no succession plan. As I always say, yeah, there's free agency. There's a, it's not, it's not 1980 anymore. You can, you can do both things. You don't have to get someone in the pipeline to take over in three or four years. And now the Penguins are now in the position of having lost again, fifth straight playoffs where they didn't advance. And people are calling for not Crosby necessarily, but for the other big two, Latang and Malkin, move on from them. I am a sentimentalist. I say, you know, listen, if they've never won anything, if it's like, if you're the Miami Dolphins and, you know, it's 1990, do you move on from Marino there? We're never going to get it done. I, it's not one time. You know, when you win three, it's like, I don't care. I really am of the mind. I don't care if, I, if they if they run it back for three years, because that's a that's a deed that will stand out in sports history as well. If they if they were able to complete that big three playing together for 19 seasons together, and that's their whole career. I think that's great. How say you though, because you watch the Celts and you watch the Patriots. Well, I, I mean, kind it of is above the mind. Like, sort of. Oh, well, I mean, like you know, distilled we're down. With that is money, the crystallized your heart versus the computer, right? That we the we know what the computer will say. It's like, do not pay a penny for past performance. Do not dedicate any money to past performance. It all has to be based on what you think this guy's going to mm -hmm. do in the future. And my my example of that, again, kind of emotional, like you with with your boys uh, with the pens, you know, when when they extended Dustin Pedroia, when they gave the Red Sox gave Pedroia that contract, I was like, oh, Christ, that's a bad contract today. That's that's he's not worth that today. What is it going to be like? When this degenerative knee condition kicks it like I, I was, I, you know, but of course I got tons of pushback of like, Pedroia, what are you doing? Oh, the guy's the greatest. Like people love Dustin Pedroia so much. Incredible story. Um, but that contract killed the Red Sox. It killed them how much money they had to flush. I mean, eventually he just wasn't playing at all, obviously, while he was collecting most of it. So, you know, I, I do think. You know, you say now it would be so nice for for those guys to go out in a blaze of semi glory together. But if if Malkin's playing thirty games and and is constantly nicked, you're you're not sure, going to yeah, be happy. Right. You're not right. going to be happy. I yeah, I, I guess that. But it isn't raw, sort of like you know, saccharine, you know, nostalgia for what I've already seen them do. I I, I also, as always, when people say we must fire that coach, like. Do you know? Do you know who you're going to get to replace him? Because if you don't, then really, what's the point? Change for change's sake. It's all that's that's also the question. What are you realistically going to do if you show those guys the door? Fine, big business. Want to stay relevant? Want to you know fill the seats and all that and keep the youngster, the the younger generation of fans happy? They don't care as much about what happened ten years ago as you do. But do you have a reasonable alternative lined up? Because just punting those guys to say you did it is a, is a strange move too. Well, it's so funny because we, you know, talking about Saban and like, you know, once, once the roster is stacked, you know, what, you know, he's stalking up and down the sideline yelling, you know, what, whatever. And, uh, you know, cashing his Aflac money. Um, but maybe that's his agent on his headset. Maybe he's not even talking to the booth. He's just making more endorsement deals based on the labor of the, the guys who don't get paid in front of him. But, uh, so, so, Saban racking up the national titles, you know, because because he's a genius tactician, because because he's Belichick 
you know, helping Parcells shut down the Bills offense. No, he's got every, every player at every position is better than the guy trying to guard him. That's why he wins. And I really enjoyed the hell out of winning time. And I was trying to explain to my wife, like, yeah, uh, the, the head coach got in a bike accident and, and this guy becoming the new head coach just proved you've got Kareem and magic. You're going to like, hmm. you're going to win that. You're going to win the championship. You have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Magic Johnson. They it literally proved anybody could show up and and go, guys, go get them. Like like there there was so little coaching, and obviously to your point, they they shit canned Westhead uh, soon thereafter, um, and then Riley lands the the greatest gig of all time. Prime. I'll say this though. Uh, what's funny? Uh, uh, a very quick detour for an old Manning cast subject that'll lead us neatly into worst MVPs. It is funny that um, Steve Fisher steps in, and you're exactly right. By the way, with winning time, I, I'll, I'll concede this as somebody who prides himself on being a, a good uh, guest or host on Old Manning Cast. I didn't know about. I didn't know that he. Uh, threw himself over the handlebars of a bicycle, and that's how Paul West had got into place. I didn't remember that or never knew it to begin with. <laughs> that's a crazy, I didn't sad know, story. I didn't know how how serious it was and how uh, touch and go it was and how really uh, – I knew, I knew he had won Coach of the Year for the Pacers subsequently, so I was like, oh, it, it must have been no big deal. And I was like, oh, no, he was never really the same. Like that part was hmm. – then again, every time I'm Googling something – it usually is exaggerated or completely made up, which I appreciate because don't stick to the facts if you're trying to entertain. Um, it's the world we live in now, Hench. I don't know if you've heard. Uh, not, even if you see it, 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 it didn't really happen. Um, the other thing is you talk about like guys who stepped in and had a powerhouse thing. Steve Fisher, they need to make, I don't know if they did make a 30 for 30 and I missed it, but the Fab Five at Michigan happened so quickly on the heels of Ramil Robinson and Steve. He t- he took over like right before the the tournament started, and he runs the table. And this was, I mean, Glenn Rice was great and Ramil Robinson, but this was not the Fab Five. And he won the title. And he always had that cough, that paper coffee cup in his hand during the run. Like that's what when I think of Steve Fisher, I just think of him like they would they would beat Seton Hall or whoever they beat. And they would just like look up into the stands and like toast and take a sip of coffee. Like that was his day. And then he was just like a footnote in history, it feels like, for the rest of the time. Um, that was right around, well, that was a little after. But I'll start us off. Hench, you floated the question in a text chain. Well, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me get us started because okay. I, I was watching Taylor Hall completely fucking That's right. sucking That's right. and doing nothing at shift after shift after shift. Uh, against the Hurricanes, um, which I know is a is a sore point this morning for Spaghetti hearing hearing the word Hurricanes. He, he, but um, and I just I, I'm watching it and going like, Wales. how does this guy win MVP? How is he judged the best player in the NHL ever? Like you know, it, and he does. It, clearly, he's not like. He hasn't suffered a catastrophic injury where he's unrecognizable. He's skating around. He seems to have pretty good speed, never creates an opportunity, never puts the puck in the back of the net, just nothing shift after shift after shift. So I texted you guys, is this the worst MVP of all time? Because Toby was like, you know, talking about Derrick Rose not going to the Hall of Fame. Like Taylor Hall has a better chance of getting in the Taylor haberdasher hall of fame than the nhl <laughs> hall of fame like he might be in the taylor hall if i don't he even clothing, i don't even like, completely get that one and it makes me laugh he's fucking <laughs> he's so shitty it's you know anyway so that 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 brings us to uh to to some of your nominees all right well no that was i don't know you said toby no that was mine and in fact that's not mine that's my old pal black tie said that to me about like six eight years ago and it was a silver bullet uh, of wisdom. Derrick Rose may well, and uh, you know the the nice push last springtime with the Knickerbockers, maybe kind of resurrected him a little bit, but I don't know if it will do it uh, sufficiently. Derrick Rose stands to be the only MVP in NBA history to not go to the Hall of Fame. It's you know that's owed to injury more than anything else. Not like he flopped or anything, but I think that's an interesting one. So that's that's one. My worst ones are, of course, at the turn of the millennium in puck. 
the dead puck, skill-free, clogged the neutral zone garbage that led to endless 1-0, 2-1 results, not just even in springtime, which are bad enough, but all through the season. It was unwatchable stuff. I literally stopped watching. For there were, there were two years in the early aughts that I was just like, this is not entertaining at all. This is not, I, and they would, you know, whoever's calling the game would build that tension because you're watching an overtime game drag into like the third OT and be like, this is so electric. It's like, no, it's not. They're not even any chances. I was like, the, the tension doesn't exist because this is garbage puck we're watching. And in a weird validation of that brand, then they started giving the Hart Trophy, the MVP, to goalies. And maybe Hashik deserved it, but Jose Teodor. I mean, that was ridiculous. That, that, that's, that's, that's grim stuff. That's a terrible one. And then the worst one in football is Mark Mosley. Mark Mosley kicked the ball a bunch and made some critical field goals. Uh, getting, and, and listen, it's like Kirk Gibson in 88. Kirk Gibson got it because of circumstance. Like he was the missing piece and you could feel that. And it's funny because we always talk about, wouldn't it be nice if they waited until the postseason was complete to decide who the MVP was? They got that right before the postseason, before Kirk Gibson's iconic game one home run. So it's really fun. Um, well, they, they got that one you right with I Gibson, but the, but, but, it's this that was there was nothing else like Kirk Gibson's like, yeah, who else are you giving it to in that spot? Like, look at the 88 candidates. Dan Fouts in nine games was like he was tracking to throw for like forty five hundred yards or something like that. In nine, I mean, in 1982, it's not this wasn't last year. In 82, he was going to put up like numbers that would exceed a year later, like what Marino did in 84. It's crazy. And they just looked right past that because it was kind of like it was a little bit of that Jordan effect. Like, yeah, Dan Fouts always lights it up. Let's give it to the kicker, the head on fat kicker who wears 17 <laughs> socks on his right foot. So it doesn't hurt. Anyway, those are my nominees. It, it would it would be funny if Mosley came into the locker room after that vote, like a new, like a little bit of attitude, like, Hey, you guys got to get your shit together. All right. I'm carrying this team. I'm the league MVP. They just duct tape him to the goalpost and just start spraying Gatorade on him. Like, I don't think they have enough tape for him. He had quite a pot belly. He was a fat guy. guy This guy's the MVP of the league. That is horrible. That is, you know, it's funny. You, you mentioned, and, and there are all these moments where you go, okay, well, the people who cover these sports and vote on these awards must know something about the sport, right? I mean, they must have, like, they didn't get, they they watched as a kid, they were fans, maybe they played a little bit, What? and then you see these MVP votes, and you're like, oh, no, they know nothing about the sport they're covering. They literally don't know what's going on in front of them, and, and so kickers should definitely not be eligible to be the most I mean, valuable player. Listen, if Justin Tucker or otherwise makes like 370 yarders at the, at, you know, at the gun and that puts, that's the, like, may, I, maybe I'll, I'll hear your story, but it would have to be awfully extreme and on a level we've never seen close to for a kicker to win but the MVP like, you know, in the NFL. You know, as, as people have pointed out with the closers, it's like you just don't participate in enough of the innings over the course of the season. Oh, I know there. where you're going next, so, 1984. Well, so, so what, what I, before we get there, it's like, so it's like there are guys like Mark Mosley, who should not be eligible to be MVP. The problem for these morons who vote on these awards is they, I mean, they don't understand. And I'll, I'll, I'll go, I want to hit Kirk Gibson briefly, and then I'll get to Pedro Martinez. So Kirk Gibson, 1988, not the most valuable player on his team. Oh. Oral Hershiser <laughs> goes 23 and eight. He goes right. 23 and eight with a 2.26 ERA. He's completely fucking dominant. Kirk Gibson had an 860 OPS. Like that's, he's, he's, that's a nice season, but Earl Hershiser finishes seventh in the MVP award. And you're like, why? Uh, because baseball writers don't understand how baseball works and how fucking valuable this pitcher is. Who's winning every fifth day, but it really came to a head in 2000 when Pedro Martinez has the single greatest pitching season of all time. 
the disparity between his ERA, 1.74, and the league ERA, which was up around five, at the fucking peak of the steroid era, no one can touch this guy. Uh, how many first place votes does he get for MVP? Zero. Zero. Not so not right. one, not one baseball writer of America thought the actual MVP was the MVP. So was like so, Nomar taking votes from him or something? Jason was, Giambi, you know, Jason Giambi wins. But I, it. sometimes you see that when it's a guy on the same team, like you say about Kirk Gibson versus Oral. Was that was Nomar their premier guy at that point? I'm guessing he must have. Uh, yeah, he definitely. Yeah, was. but uh, he but he he wasn't the reason that the reason is two morons left Pedro. You know, they, I mean, well, in '99 when Pedro also should have won MVP, two morons left him off the their ballots completely. Like that guy's not even eligible to be in the top ten. He's got the best WAR in the league two years in a row, and a couple of the morons. Who vote? And by the way, you should get your card revoked. You can't vote on this award if you don't understand the sport you're covering. I so agree. We should vote on whether or not you get the you vote. You can vote. Yeah. So the the only pitcher to win MVP back to back years is Hal Newhouser, 1944, 1945. It Pedro should be there, 1999, 2000. Only two years where a pitcher has had an ERA over three runs better than the league ERA. He doesn't win an MVP either year because of the idiots. And I would really like to go like that's a 30 for 30. I'd like to go house to house and talk to these guys and go when you voted for Giambi or or one of these other guys and nobody voted for Pedro. Did you understand the season he just had? What's how, talk, walk me through your process where this guy with his 11.7 wins above replacement, zero votes for MVP. Now, the the. Uh, so I wasn't going to mention Willie Hernandez, but obviously, you know, it, it it would be the equivalent of like a guy winning NBA MVP playing nine games. <laughs> like, what, like, how many innings are you participating? It was super weird when he did, and that and that's why it seems unjust for Pedro. It's like. It's like, yeah, it's just we don't give, you know, pitchers. It's a weird thing to give them an MVP when they have their own award. Well, you gave it to Willie Hernandez. Why why didn't you give it to, to Oral or Pedro? It's a, a fair point. The greatest injustice of all. I don't want to say worst because obviously he's an icon on any level is Wayne Gretzky in 89. But I do have to mention the greatest single season in NHL history didn't result in a heart trophy for Mario Lemieux. 215 by Gretzky surrounded by Curry and Coffee and Messier and Glenn Anderson and you know all the names. Well, you know, marvelous, remarkable season, even though it was, uh, you know, the scoring was inflated in the window in which he did that. 1989. Mario Lemieux goes for 199, playing in 76, but he was hurt for one of them. He got hurt at the start of one, so 75. Only played on the power play a little bit. Surrounded by the guys he was surrounded by, mostly Ham and Eggers, in other words. I mean, he had some skill by that point, but not a ton. For him to go 199 and blow away Gretzky in the standings, but because Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell decided that they liked hockey when Gretzky got to LA, that was worthy of an MVP award. It's the mo- it's the greatest crime I've ever seen. But I hate to say worst because right. it's not like it was you know Josie Theodore getting it. It was at least it was Wayne Gretzky. But yeah, still, so this is the greatest crime I've ever seen. This is an interesting anyway. distinction because you you see Hall of Famers win MVPs on reputation that they shouldn't have won. But then you also see the flip side of that, which is like Jordan had to watch a couple of his MVPs go to other guys because, well, you know, Jordan's numbers were down 2%. It's like, who cares? He's far and away the most valuable player in this league. And one of the things I loved about Jordan. um, 98 is the best example of that probably, right? Well, whenever they would give uh, one of his MVPs to someone else, he would get that guy in the finals very soon after. <laughs> <So> true, right? <laughs> it was like so. I Matt, think it did roll exactly like that, yeah, right? Matt it went camp in ninety, so he doesn't get get him until ninety one. But then Barkley in ninety three, he beats Barkley head to head, right? And then Malone doesn't. Does Sean Kemp get one? No. Does he no. ever get an MVP? Maybe no. not. But but anyway, that was their best team. That would have. That's led what our, I always say. Let our segment if if the as a side note, as a well, but as a side note, I do always I I feel obliged to point this out when people want to dent the the you know the legend of whoever the is at the top of the mountain. 
Those Bulls teams, they went through great teams every time in the finals. You cannot point at that. It's like, yeah, but if you put them in a different, like ah, they had been playing with the, the Lakers and Celts at the height of their, like they were going through juggernauts. Those Jazz team, that Sonics team was a 60-win team. Anyway, not so, relevant here. Continue. Uh, so, so, so sometimes you see Gretzky was the beneficiary of like, he's the great one. Let's just give him another one, even though he's he clearly had an inferior season. Then you see Jordan where it's like, you know what? Michael didn't score quite like, let's give it to someone else. Like, no, he's still the MVP. A, a great example of this is 2001 NBA. Allen Iverson wins the MVP. Shaq is coming off an MVP award and he's like, he's slightly down statistically, but he still scores 29 a game, 13 rebounds a game, uh, you know, 2.8 blocks. And, and of course shoots 57%. Iverson shoots 42% from the floor. I mean, he shoots every, you know, every time down. He has an, a, just an abominable assist to turnover ratio. In fact, Shaq's assist to turnover ratio is almost identical to Iverson's assist to turnover ratio in, in 2001. And you can just tell it's like, well, we gave it to Shaq last year. And also like Iverson's our size. Iverson, we could like all the writers could 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 look at Iverson and go, oh, we can dream. So let's give it to this guy. And it's like that's Shaq's MVP again. To your point about Giannis this year, like everyone would take Giannis to start the playoffs. So we know who the MVP is, right? You know, in two thousand one, you're like, okay, who's you got first pick? You're gonna take Shaq or Allen Iverson? That's that's Shaq's MVP. Right. And this is pre YouTube era. So it's not like people got seduced by the highlights, but maybe that was that was in the air. It's only 20 years ago. But the influence of sports center highlights, I really do think it it felt that the recurring word that I heard, I remember that's like, it feels unfair. It feels unfair. It really did. It was like no, nobody could stop Shaq. And it also makes me think 20 years later in the year of the Lord, 2022, would Shaq dominate now or would he be like, well, that's not where the game is, man. Like it really, the the center position, like we talked about with Jeff Schwartz the other day is it really is like a running back in the NFL now. It's like, yeah, you don't need that. As it turns out, you don't need that given the way the game goes. But I think Shaq's game would translate, you know, because basically, first of all, a lot of teams, because everyone's center has to be able to shoot now. So you're, you're, you've got a guy a, a skinny 6'11 guy with a concave chest playing center, Shaq would just dunk on that guy every time. Like there'd be five possessions in a row. And the other part, after he dunks on your guy, you know, you run the double team at him. Shaq was a good passer, like a completely underrated passer. Absolutely. So, so if you did the Elijah thing, you know, where you spread your shooters out and then go like, okay, don't double team him and he's going to score every time or run the double team at him and he'll find the open man. I, I, Shaq, Shaq's game is eternal. And I agree. But as a species, what happened to our seven-foot monsters? Really, they're just none that you can even point to. Where, where did they go? These well, guys I were think, like, I there were three to eight of them in the league at any given time until about like five years ago. People like, well, the game went away from that. Or did those guys go away? I just well, don't know I where think, what, what happened. I, I think uh, you know, anytime anyone who's spent any time in a gym knows that it's a lot more fun to hoist threes and dribble behind your back. Like, so it, it's funny when you watch Giannis crossing people over. You're like, Gee, I, God, how do you guard this guy? But like, those guys are developing skills that are just, quite frankly, more fun to execute. Then I'm going to put my giant ass on the block and just drop step and dunk over and over again. So I do think in this weird evolution, like, you know, I mean, Shaq was obviously a physical freak, but like even the discipline, you know, like a, like a Kevin McHale of just going, sitting on that low block, getting the entry pass and, and, and you know, having two or three moves. Uh, I mean, I miss it, quite frankly, because these games where it's like, Oh, they they made 23 out of 52 threes and they made 17 out of 48 threes. That's why they won. You know, it, it's like it's almost like if you're not getting a pretty good look at three every time down, it's a bad possession. Um, so, you know, I, I, I guess I wouldn't mind um, widening the court another six inches, pushing that line back a little bit, because the truth is you've got stiffs now who just stand in that corner. That's right. 
you know, and it's like that's right. Yeah. I, I, I'm not trying to be a curmudgeon, uh, but I do find the watch vaguely unsatisfying. I didn't like ISO ball either, but I, you know, um, I this this isn't the, to me the greatest. It's it's gone too far now. Eddie Spaghetti, we're going to bring it on home with the Celts pick and a couple other picks for you. Eddie Spaghetti, you have a couple of nominees for worst MVP ever. Uh, well, I wanted to mention first that like, I just love the NBA MVP list because they're all Hall of Famers until really you could probably say Derrick Rose is the first questionable guy, of, which is pretty recently. So that that's a great list going. But uh, I'm not sure. Hench, it'll be funny to hear your take on this one. But uh, I'm not saying this guy is not deserving of winning the uh, the AL MVP award. But Derek Jeter was robbed in 2006 when Justin Morneau beat him in, the, in, in that race. And Morneau basically just won it because of his home run and RBI totals. But Jeter across the board that year, weirdly enough, too, Morneau not an all-star, but Jeter all-star, Golden Glove, Silver Slugger, second the MVP, had a bunch of stolen bases, had his highest career totals in RBI. Um, I think he had like 14 home runs. Um, uh, I think close to the amount of double. I think he had more doubles than Morneau had. So a lot of reasons why Derek Jeter should have won that one. Uh, I feel like in a way they wanted to give to somebody who was not Derek Jeter because he was the face of the game, kind of like the Jordan scenario where like people were just tired of there's a little bit of Jeter fatigue. But that one, I still think about him not getting that award because that would have definitely like stopped the haters from saying Derek Jeter was not that great of a player. And I think that was definitely an MVP caliber season. And Morneau kind of had a few good seasons, fizzled out, wasn't much of a player. The rest I wonder of how many guys have ever in history not made the all-star slash pro bowl and then win the MVP. That's weird. Strong second half, I, I think, is what happened with him. Sure, but, but I mean, still, I wonder how many times that's happened. Yeah. Spaghetti. So, you know, I just really, I quit, looked it up really quickly. So, um, Morneau's war is 4.3. Jeter's, Jeter's is 5.6. So that's a pretty significant, you know, so Jeter definitely had a better season. Yeah. Uh, in third, Big Poppy, 5.8. So uh, geniuses who vote for MVP – this is not how you want the list to look with better players every like as you go down. So so Jeter better season than Morneau. Ortiz better season than Morneau. We're still going down. Uh Morneau teammate Joe Mauer, sixth better season than Morneau. But here's where it gets to my fucking Pedro thing. Johan Santana leads the league with a 7.6 war, which almost doubles. Justin Morneau's winning total. Uh, Spaghetti, that is a great one. This guy, this is a crime. This guy may have been the 12th best player in the American League. I mean, Jim Tomey finishes 12th, higher war than Justin Morneau. Alex Rodriguez finishes 13th, higher war than Justin Morneau. Ichiro finishes 15th, higher war than Justin Morneau. And it's not like you can say, well, he won a lot of games with his glove. He's a fucking first baseman. That's that is that is terrible. That is a crime. The irony that, that there's an irony of that in that you feel like that the voter must have been like, I'm going to show that I'm not a coastal elite and just going to go with the most popular player in the game. That's a weird like. I don't want that to be the perception, so I'm going to go against it and then get it wrong because that's what influenced. I'm not going to go with one of the guys who had one of the 15 best seasons in the league. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, by the way, I mean, by the way, morons. I got to throw out another one too. I think it was 87, Ironhead Hayward. Definitely, I mean, by any measure, had a better season than Tim Brown did on Notre Dame, but Tim Brown played for Notre Dame and returned punts for touchdowns against Michigan State on national TV at night when that was a rarity in college football. Ergo, Tim Brown got it. Look up the numbers, look at the records, look at everything else. It's an insane result that that guy got the MVP over Ironhead Hayward. It doesn't matter what they did in the pros. Obviously, one guy wound up in the Hall of Fame. I literally, um, I, when you started, because we are talking about MVPs and not Heismans. When you started, well, that's an MVP, isn't it? When you started the Ironhead Hayward thing, I was literally, I was like, Jesus Christ, did I miss Ironhead Hayward's MVP season in the NFL? I was like, wow, this <laughs> is going to be huge news. He had, he, had, he had a better career than I think most people uh, probably remember him having. All right, Spaghetti, who else? For the that Falcons was great. 2006, Justin Murnau. That was just the only one that was in my was That's a good button to that segment because, man, he I did not realize how fucking undeserving he was. I'm sure he's a lovely guy, Canadian, right? Sure, he's a lovely guy, but uh, not that he. You know, you usually like check points out. You know, Wayne Gretzky stole 
Mario Lemieux's MVP. Well, but he did it in Los Angeles, and Hutch, it made the sport more popular. Don't you understand? That that's what makes up so much- and, and Jason Giambi stole both of Pedro Martinez's MVP. Justin Murnau stole that award from 15 different guys. Like that, that, that may be, if you look at a list where you, how deep you have to go in the, to find a guy that Justin Morneau was better than, that is the biggest crime of all time in terms of number of guys who deserved that award more than Morneau. Well done, Spietti. All right, what are our picks? All right, that that's a wrap on Old Man and Cast. Investigation! Worst MVPs ever. Hey, while we're talking a little bit of baseball there, uh, this baseball season, you can turn K's into cash and big hits into big wins with FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a risk-free first bet up to $1,000. And with FanDuel, same-game parlays, you can turn little bets into big payday. Same-game parlays. Do it however you want. All betting on the same game, money lines, totals, player props, all uh, all uh, of those available to you, and so much more. Um, just sign up, place your first bet, and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win. Remember, there's no better place to bet America's pastime than on America's number one sports book. We love it. The great promos, the safe and secure app. You get paid fast. What else is there to tell you except download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and just make sure you use the promo code minus three, the word minus the number three, and you get started with your risk-free bet up to $1,000. Let me squeeze in a quick break. All right, let's uh, bring it on home here with some picks, fellas. We'll start out, uh, by the time you're listening, it may have already come and gone, but we played that game a couple weeks ago and it was fun, so maybe one of us or all will look like dopes uh, if you're listening after the game. Celtics, Heat, no Derek White is the story. Um, The home team, Heat, laying three and a half, total 205 and a half. How say you, Hench? I know we're battling COVID and it sounds like we're we're gonna we're gonna have a key guy in our rotation in, in the delivery room, maybe with his wife, but uh I like the Celtics in this game. I like I would, really? I would I would take I would take the uh um take the points and I would also bet them here for the series. It's only it's only plus one twenty where I'm seeing it, which isn't a great return. But speaking of great returns. If they get everybody back, they're going to be quite a different team. Jimmy Butler's not going to be scoring 41 points with the defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart, back in the lineup. So I like uh, my Celtics. I hear you. I agree with you. It sucks um, for those guys to be out. And the Heat should be a little spooked that they had to struggle so mightily to to win game one, given the absences. Um, But I also think math applies here. The Celts better get this one. Like, I I know that they could, it's not inconceivable that they would win four out of uh, the remaining five, but you're starting to really get behind the eight ball. So um, I'm going to stick with the Heat here at home um, because of the, just straight up because of the, uh, because of the COVID and now another guy sitting down and, you know, even if guys are back out there, they're not going to be at full strength, obviously with the, I, I, as you can hear. I'm an empath now because I have uh, I have phlegm in my lungs too, so I know the struggle it is to walk up walk up and down stairs, let alone run up and down a basketball court. Um, Spaghetti, your pick on that one. I like the Celtics to win the game. I like them to win the series too. Uh, like Ken said, they're going to get healthier with Smart and Horford coming back, hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, I was pretty invested in that for game one because uh, the D3 and Sal are doing the race to 10 there. And I just think that the Heat took everything in their power to keep that game close. There was some portions like, oh, the Celtics are about to break this open. They're going to they're gonna run away with it. Um, and I think that, you know, obviously missing guys and they still were able to do that. And the Heat played as well as a good a game they needed to. So I, I like the Celtics in the series and to win this game. Mavs dubs on Friday night in uh, in San Francisco. Home team dubs lay in. My eyeballs are so bad. Six and a half total, 214. Gut punch for uh, beer drinker Luca and company. How say you, Hench? I mean, I'm, you know, I'm like, I think all NBA fans, I'm, I'm bummed that we didn't get our dub sons Western conference final. I I'm, I'm still, you know, I didn't watch that, that Mavs sons game seven live, but I was like looking at my phone going like, what is going on? You know? And I expected when I went to the box score to go, Oh, what happened is Chris Paul and De- Devin Booker collided and suffered massive concussions and they were both out. 
how, you know, how, I, how can you explain 27 points and a half? And so then I go, nope, they've just missed every shot they've taken. And so the Mavs, everything is just lined up for the, for the Warriors so, so nicely. Uh, John Morant goes down. Here's your buy in, into the finals. Oh, who's waiting for you in the finals? A team that's definitely gone as far as it can. So now you can just continue your little coronation to, to Western Conference champs. Um, so, you know, and I, and I feel like the, you know, the Mavs just don't have the diversity of firepower to hang with the Warriors. So I, I don't think they can stay within single digits. I do think that they are, as I keep saying, the, they're they're sort of like a 2022, maybe uh, uh, yet another example of where the league is going. I think they do have diversity of scores. I think that's the thing. It's not the way you typically see teams that, that go deep. But all that being said, I'm with you. The dubs are ripe. They move on. Um, spaghetti, quickly, your pick there. The Warriors will win this game, but I do like the Mavs to stay within the six and a half points. So I would take the Mavs, the six and a half. Another thing I like too, I think Luca's at 31 and a half points. He only had 20 in game one. I like him to go over that mark. He's going to try to put the team in his back, but uh, not enough to win the game though, but I like those two bets. Okay, last thing before we make individual hockey picks, I've made it clear I want, uh, you know, uh, spirit of the game to track in the direction of high scores like we saw in Alberta the other day. What intrigues me most going forward now is the odds on who's going to win the cup without looking at it, fellas, who do you have winning the cup? Hench, you go first. Well, I mean, I, I got a good price on the avalanche several months ago and I'm not, but now I know I, I get I'm it. Not. I'm saying if you're looking to put something on it to make it interesting coming down the wire, well, you know, in terms of, in terms on. of bang for your buck, like, you know, these flames and you've been saying it, you know, all, all spring, uh, watch out for these flames game seven against the stars. They were so dominant, you know, and I was telling us, Betty, like you, the the dominant team going into o, OT with sixty five you know sixty five shots on goal and and Ottinger is just standing on his head. You always lose that game, right? The fucking puck always finds a way to go into your net, and they just kept rolling out line after line after line. They can skate with the Avalanche, and so you know I know that, that, that they've, right. they've got some business to take care of first. Um, but uh, I, I guess you know I'm not going to bet against the avalanche since I already have that ticket. But if I was, if I was thrown, having watched uh, the flames more closely in the playoffs, if I had to advise, which I guess is my job here, I would uh, sprinkle a little bit on the flames. I just want to say the thing that just stands out to me is that the Canes have the second best odds. That's the reason I brought it up. The Avs are rightly the favorite at plus 180 at this point, the Canes second best odds to win the cup. Do they know whoever, if they, if they get through the Rangers that they have to then play whoever survives Florida. I think that's crazy. To your point, Flames plus 500 is where it's at. Here's the advantage that they have. I, I, I do think goalies are tracking towards fungibility in the NHL, given the padding and everything else. But Markstrom is an advantage over who they'll play this series and next. Markstrom, he's not going to poop the bed like he did in game one again. Um, so I think that's uh, that's an interesting one. But the, the overarching point is go Panthers. Uh, it's enough with these lightning. Please eliminate them. That's the one thing I you, request. Chef, do you take, um, did, did you take a little bit of healing joy in knowing that spaghetti was suffering last night. Like, so you suffered the ultimate. I do like for the team. I do like for whoever, just philosophically, whoever beats my team, I, I don't want them to feel joy. I don't want them to go on to win the title. I don't care if they win this series or not. Just as long, I don't want to see them hoist the cup because we were in there. We were on the path to that glory. I don't like when people, I never understand. In fact, I was talking to spaghetti's uh, old man about exactly this over the weekend at uh, Spaghetti's 30th party, 30th birthday party. I I never understand when people are like, go, I, I hope that team goes on to win because it makes us look good because they had to go through us to get, like, no, I, I suffered, now you suffer. I, eye for an eye and all that kind of stuff. No, my main thing is, like I say, if we get Panthers, Avs, the Oilers ain't going to make it, but if they did, this is what's good because copycat leagues are ubiquitous in the 21st century what wins is what people copy what we want for the sport is for it to stay high flying we don't want it to regress to dead puck crap so whatever 
moves that forward is basically what I want. And I want games. I don't 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 need to be uh so you want what was you the want final that? score 18 to 17, whatever it was up in Alberta. I I that's I, give me high scores. You want and Oil- not the lightning, because we don't want them winning three in a so row. So you want Oilers Panthers. That'd be great. I mean, it'd be fun. Be a fun watch, at least. I don't know how many American eyeballs would be on it. I don't care about that. I wonder if that's the longest. I wonder if that's the longest flight you can take in the NHL. That's fun. I've considered that before. Like, which is the the furthest away? I think it was pre like Calgary and Tampa play, and you might see a repeat of that. That's a pretty big uh, a a pretty big sprawl there. Well, no, not Vancouver, New York. That's Vancouver. Vancouver. That's funny. Vancouver played in the finals twice against New York based teams. Um, Anyway, Spaghetti, your uh, your pick to win it all there. I mean, you guys already talked about the the Flames and the Avalanche a bit, and you, Dave, you don't want the Lightning there, but I would not be shocked with the money you can get on the Lightning to that, to win again, to win three in a it row. It is crazy. Yeah, they're plus five fifty. They're it's a great number for them. Uh, they have the top end guys that are still contributing. The best thing they did was make smart moves the trading deadline. They still have that really strong like middle six, bottom six, uh, and obviously, what more? What can you say about Vasilevsky? He's the best guy, goaltender in the league. They won't lose back to back games with him. Like I think that's a that's a really good smart. Bad if, you, if you believe in the, the lightning again for the three peat i mean repeat of last year if tampa goes in there and just gut punches the panthers in um in miami it's a, like it, it really is dispiriting i do not want that team because i am looking at you know i'm looking at uh legacy stuff the generation and if tampa wins three in a row then people will say forget the penguins is the team of the era so that's what i'm rooted so, so that that's my rooting interest there um all right. I think we, well, we went longer than I expected. See, we we're trying to do a tight and we still went uh, 45, 50. Minutes. I thought you had the heart out. Your heart I do out. have the heart out. I'm sorry. I'm just, excuse me for enjoying a conversation with you. Your heart out got so soft, it bled past my heart out. I didn't think I had anything to worry about because you had such a hard out, which turned into a soft out. Now I'm late for work. Right, Come on, That's man. what she said. Beat it. Beat All it. Right. Hench. All right. There we go. Good times. Um, and, uh, you know what, we'll cut it off there. Just make sure that you're listening to all things, extra points, network, extra point show coming at you probably right on the heels of this. Eddie Spaghetti's going to shoot pucks at me dressed as a Pope. Be on the lookout for videos, uh, related to that extra points.com. Find all the stuff, the swag, all the rest of it. We'll be back on the other side of the sports weekend to break it all down for you and try and make some sense of it until then. Thanks so much sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.